1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why, and they want to know how. Monday, and the Combine is wrapping up probably as we speak with the defensive backs on the field. And we have, oh baby, we have a lot to talk about with the NFL Combine. Not just what we saw on the field But what we heard, this is a prime place to get information for reporters. This is a place where a lot of deals get done. This is a place where a lot of handshake agreements take place. This is a place for teams to meet with agents to talk about contracts. The Packers met with Clay Matthews' agent in Indianapolis, though everyone tried to pretend like that was just like, oh, hey, fun. I don't really know. But that is, that is the important thing that we're going to zero in on today because pass rusher is clearly a priority for the Packers this offseason. Sunday was an enormous day for those players, and we learned a lot about the kinds of players who could be available for Green Bay. And over the weekend, since we last spoke, We learned a lot about Green Bay's off-season strategy when it comes to their pass rushers, and that's where we're going to start. We're going to get to the incredible combines of guys like Montez Sweat and Brian Burns, guys we've talked about on this show, but we have to start with the actual Packers players involved. And there were really, I would say, a a two-tiered story here. Number one, Green Bay um, is... Is either has or will meet with uh, the agents for Clay Matthews and Randall Cobb to discuss their future with the team, and we think we think this already happened, and the the expectation is that Nick Perry is released, that he is that they are they are going to move on from him, save the money. Um, that, that comes up front here. They're going to have to eat some of his his money this season. We've been through what those numbers look like. And, and if and when he is cut, we can go back over that, why they would do that, what kind of money it saves them. The problem with that, if there is a problem, is Clay Matthews is a free agent. Nick Perry, if he's not on the team, they don't have anyone else. They have Kyler Fackrell who... Was much improved last season, but is not a number one outside edge. There's just no two ways about that. And after that, they don't have anyone. I mean, anyone that they trust. Anyone. Kendall Donerson is um, a bag of tools, and that's it. And beyond that, that I mean, that is the whole group. So that leads us to the free agent part. What do you do with Clay Matthews? If you're going to move on from Nick Perry, can you justify the money that you're going to eat with Nick Perry in the offseason if you release him? Now if they June 1 him again, I don't want to get into the minutia here, but if they post June 1 him, they can spread out the money that they're that they're costing them on the cap and that that is important. It's not going to give them more money in free agency, but it could help them sign draft picks. It could help them sign guys that are cut in June or July or August. And so that money could potentially be important. The question is for Green Bay is where does Clay Matthews fit in? Can, will he come back on a small money deal? Do they want him back on a small money deal? The inside linebacker thing is a non starter. This is something that's been brought up in my mentions a number of times. I understand why fans uh, are thinking this way. The last time we saw Clay play inside, he played extremely well. And the problem with that is it was five years ago. He is not the athlete he was in 2014, he's just not. The juice in those legs is gone. When you see Miles White and Devin Bush out there, linebacker prospects, and they're running 4 4 Clay Matthews is not that kind of athlete. What Green Bay lacks at inside linebacker is playmaking and speed. That was what Oren Burks was drafted to provide. That was what Josh Jones was drafted to provide. And to this point, neither of those players – have been able to provide that for Green Bay. So, again, I understand the appeal of saying, hey, Clay, we, we can't pay you to be an outside linebacker for us, but we can pay you to be an inside linebacker for us. There, there is, it makes some sense, I guess, the premise based on the last time we saw him do it. The problem is he can't do it anymore, and he can't do it at a high level and he's just not a good option there. You would want young, fresh, ultra athletic legs. That's not what he is. And so I don't I don't really understand why you would bring him back. Then you have no one. Well, Rob Domofsky reported over the weekend that Green Bay intends to be aggressive in signing a free agent pass rusher. Okay. That's that's good news for a team that needs a free agent pass rusher. That's good news for a team that needs an influx of talent. D. Ford got the franchise tag. Brandon Graham just got an extension. We expect Jadavian Clowney to get the franchise tag or an extension. It's quickly becoming a tight edge market. Trey Flowers has been linked to Miami. He is the supposed uh, jewel of this free agent edge class. Is there... A place to spend big money. I've mentioned Anthony Barr, I've mentioned Zadarius Smith, I've mentioned Preston Smith, but some of the numbers that are being quoted for those guys are just too high for me. Preston Smith Smith, especially, if he's gonna get 11, 12 million, I don't I don't know if that's worth it. Moving on from Nick Perry and Clay Matthews backs you into a corner. Green Bay doesn't really have any option but to sign some guys. Now if they are if they want to sign Marcus Golden and, you know, another lower level edge free agent. Okay. You know, they signed Marcus Golden. They draft someone at 12. They double dip. They hit up. They, you know, they, they draft someone in the third round, the fourth round. Kendall Donerson makes a year two leap. Maybe you can manufacture enough of a pass rush in year one of those rookie guys. And then in year two and three, they can give you much more. You have a healthy Kenny Clark. You have a healthy Mike Daniels. The Packers apparently want to bring Muhammad Wilkerson back. He apparently wants to come back. I don't know how that factors into this discussion, but I'm not going to say I'm concerned, but I think the Packers have to be wary of overpaying some of the guys that are out there. I still think there is... Juice in the legs of Anthony Barr. He's still young, has not been given the opportunity to rush the pass rusher consistently. And Andy Herman uh, over at Cheesehead TV wrote a, a piece about it, and he and I disagree about Anthony Barr, and we, we've disagreed since he came out of college. I liked much more coming out than Andy did. But Andy points out that Anthony Barr has not had a lot of success rushing the passer in his NFL career. That is true. He also hasn't been given many opportunities to do it. In places where he succeeds. And so, a change of scenery where he can play on the edge, where he can play that Sam linebacker in the Mike Pettin scheme, rush a little bit, drop a little bit, be used as an A gap blitzer, be used a little bit of everywhere. I think that is somewhere he can be effective. The question is price. And what you don't want to see happen is for them to overpay for someone like Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith, both of whom I think are good players. But they're not franchise changers. You don't want to trade $12 million of Nick Perry for $12 million of Preston Smith. Neither are going to be high-impact, top-of-market-type edge rushers. And so for the Packers, that leaves them in a difficult position having to find value in free agency, but also having to fill bodies, having having to have that need forced up their, their list. And it probably was already one or two anyway. But to make it even more dire puts them in a difficult situation from a team-building standpoint. That's why what we saw on Sunday from these edge rushers was so heartening if you're the Packers because there are you know, maybe a dozen guys who you would feel comfortable coming in and saying these people have the athletic tools to be impact pass rushers for us and we're going to get to them in just a second. David
0: Harrison here of the Locked on Washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's
1: All right, we're going to get to the good stuff. The guys who really, really showed out at the Combine in terms of the pass rushers. We have to start with one of Packer Nation's favorites, one of my favorites. Someone who I have been talking about all year as someone I think Green Bay could benefit from having on their team. And that is Ja'Kai Polite. And let me start here. It has been something that I have heard that I have talked to other people in the media, that they have heard it has been out there in in the, the mainstream media sources in terms of the ESPN draft guys. I've heard it from the NFL network draft guys that there had been w- what had been deemed off the field concerns for Ja'Kai Polite. I did a ton of digging on that, talked to a bunch of people, and no one could tell me what was going on. No one could tell me what the issue was. His teammates loved him. He played hard. He practiced hard. Everyone seemed to like Chikai Polite. And then he does these interviews at the Combine. Everyone does interviews, and you have, you know, the teams get a set allotment of interviews, of official interviews. And then there's this thing called the train station where this is what Matt LaFleur and, and Nathaniel Hackett did together where coaches just get to go talk to players. You basically just go grab them um, and and you talk to who you want to talk to. But Polite said a lot of the teams were picking at him. He said bashing. That was what he said. They were bashing him and they were breaking down the things that he did poorly on film. And he admitted he didn't really watch himself on film and he was frustrated uh, by this discussion about you know, what his weaknesses were. And he was, he was annoyed whether he want, whether, you know, there are some people who were in the room and said, oh, you know, he was, he was being honest and, and he wasn't mad. He understood it was part of the deal, but you don't bring it up. You don't bring it up that way and say, teams were bashing me. I don't really watch myself on tape. Those are not things you want to hear from a guy who, what we found out the questions had been about his maturity level about his coachability, and about his accountability. Does this guy love to play football? Is he coachable? Is he, there, there, were, there was some discussion about when Jim McElwain, before he was fired, if Ja'Kai Polite quit on the team and allowed his teammates to quit on the coach. That didn't seem like a big enough deal for me to say, oh, then w- what is all this? I mean, he's an 18, 19-year-old kid. He's still only 20 years old. Is this something anyone should really be that concerned about? But then he shows up at the combine, doesn't look in shape, has added weight, but it doesn't seem like good weight. He did not do well in the initial round of testing, goes through this interview process. Multiple uh, sources now have have said in terms of media people, have talked to teams who have said this was a disaster. And he really hurt himself, really turned people off, uh, did not do well in the interview process at all, and then goes out, runs a slow 40 time, says he has a hamstring injury, which apparently one scout reportedly, Bleacher Report, said one scout called it bullshit, basically accusing him of faking the injury. Well, if he's not in shape, and he's already frustrated with the process. He runs a slow time and decides to shut it down. That could be what happened. Now, we don't know, and I'm not going to speculate on his injury, but that is bad. The fact that if he was injured, it doesn't look good because he didn't seem like he was in peak physical condition. And if he wasn't injured, obviously that's bad. So it seems like right now, and and I've said this on Twitter I want him to succeed. He seems like a nice kid. He was well-liked by his teammates. I want him to go out at his pro day looking shredded. I want him to run 4-5. I want him to, to kill the agility drills, to interview well, and to just say, look, I was frustrated. I'm sorry. This is all new to me. I'm 20 years old, for crying out loud. And and to really win over teams. The moral of the story for the Packers is any discussion about Ja'Kai Polite at 12 They're now done. They're done. He is not going to go in the top 12. He may not even go in the first round now. This is similar to what happened with Tim Williams a couple years ago, an undersized speed rusher off the edge. Now, he was old. I think he was 24 as a rookie. And he had some legitimate off the field. And I mean, like, legal issues off the field If he's just an immature kid, but you think he has talent, and he clearly has talent. I mean, you you put on a game, he has talent. He's really good. If you are a team that says, we think we can coach this kid, we think we can get the most out of him, a team is going to get a really good player. But now it's like, okay, if Ja'Kai Polite is going to be a Packer, it's going to be at 30. Maybe it's going to be at 44. And... That is a big change from where we were at the start of the combine. Speaking of big changes, I'm I may have to, and I'm I'm not ready to do a full mea culpa yet, but I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch Brian Burns, because he is also very young, walked into the ACC at 17 years old and gets sacks. He is someone who tested incredibly well, one of the all-time defensive linemen. Uh, relative athlete scores that we have seen. And in in the drills, just looked, I mean, he looked like a running back. So fluid, so athletic, great hands, which is weird for a defensive lineman. Uh, he is someone that, that I have not been as high on as other people have. And uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing something. And I'm going to go back and rewatch. The thing that I had an issue with, and I'm just being fully transparent about this, the thing that I didn't see with him, and now he played Mike Mayak, who's the new GM of the the Oakland Raiders, but has been you know, a, a draft analyst for NFL Network for years. He said he thought that Brian Burns played at 228 last year. He was 249 at the Combine and still ran in the 4.5s, still jumped out of the gym, still had pretty good agilities, To be able to to be as athletic as he is with the added weight, I think if you're a team, you have to say, I'm happy with that. Now, can he keep that weight on? You know, 21, 22 year old kids struggle. I mean, when I was 20, 21, I could eat whatever I wanted and I didn't gain weight. So, can he keep that weight on during the season? We don't know. Run defense is a question with him. Can he anchor on the edge? My issue was I didn't see the play-to-play field tilting wrecking type stuff. Because he's not a high impact run defender, when teams are not throwing, and especially if they're not in obvious passing situations, that's when he's just not quite as good. And I just I didn't see him as often as some of these other guys just taking over games and saying, this game is mine. I own it, and there's nothing you can do about it. There was one or two of those games, and there were some other games where he just, you didn't really notice what he was doing. His good reps are great. When he has a great rep to beat an offensive lineman for a sack, he looks awesome. And then there may be 20 reps in between that where he doesn't look like that. So does this athleticism move him up? In my mind, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does it also warrants a rewatch of the tape. I'm gonna save Montez Sweat, but let's talk about Cleland Farrell because he was the other guy that was in the discussion in the top 10, the top 15, and someone who I think the Packers would have had some interest in at 12. He also did not test particularly well. Now, we didn't. he didn't test poorly, and he tested okay. He ran okay. The agilities were, mm, they were they were not great. He's not a great athlete. That's not what he is. He is big, he's long, he's powerful, and he can use that length. He's got a good first step. And, I mean, he got after Jonah Williams. And Jonah Williams is one of the best offensive linemen in the country, one of the best offensive linemen in this draft. So Farrell is good. I'm not worried about it. But, you know, he is going to be a good litmus test for what does the tape say versus what the testing numbers say. I still like him, uh, but to be honest, he may have dropped as well a little bit, a little bit. You don't, want to, you don't want to do too much with these combine, and we can have a full conversation at some point when the combine is fully over about how much these numbers matter. I do think they matter. Uh, they don't matter more than what you put on tape, but they matter. They definitely matter, and Ja'Kai Polite proved the interviews matter just as much as what we see on the field, if not more. It, the, the on-field performance, if Ja'Kai Polite had jumped poorly, ran slow, and said he was hurt at his pro day, you fix those, you put up good numbers, and everyone's happy you're a first-round pick again. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the interviews. And then you compound it with this on-field thing. We don't know quite what happened. Let's call it a thing. The name we have to spend some time on is Montez Sweat. At six six, two sixty. He runs four four one. DK Metcalf at two almost two thirty. Six three two thirty 230, ran 4'3", three, three, one of the best times ever for a player of that size. His speed score, so when you calculate size, adjust for that. Still not as fast as Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat, 7-foot wingspan. And guess what? For all the questions about his stiffness, his three-cone time, which is a measure of change of direction ability, start and stop ability, and generally speaking, helps us to... Think about the way that a player can bend. Flexibility. Montez Montez Sweat ran just a shade better than Brian Burns. Seven flat. That in itself is not a crazy good time. But for someone that's supposed to be stiff, that's crazy good. And it was better than Brian Burns who was supposedly the more flexible athlete. Montez Sweat could be one of those rare players who was extremely productive in a major college conference, was a senior, highly experienced, goes to the senior bowl, plays well, but his athletic numbers say there is still a lot of untapped potential in that body. I mean, he's 6'6", a little a shade under 6'6", okay? 260, he could easily be 265, 270. Jadavion Clowney... Is an inch shorter. He came to the combine two sixty six plays in that two seventy range, and it is not crazy to say that they are comparable athletes. It's I mean, there's no question they're comparable athletes, but they win in very similar ways as well. Clowney did not win with bend and you know bl- blinding speed to the corner. Montez Sweat can do that, and he also has the kind of power. Clowney was more powerful. Uh, in a dominating way, but I think you can make the case, and I would make the case, that Sweat is a more uh, polished pass rusher, not as purely powerful, but is more polished, and has more go-to pass rush moves already with the one arm than Jadavion Clowney did coming out, and Clowney went number one. There is so much still to be tapped into with this guy And Mike Patton could play him all over the field. He played some five technique as a 3-4 defensive end for Mississippi State. He can stand up. He can play with his hand in the dirt as a 4-3 defensive end. You put him in the A-gap and let him rush the passer. Clearly has movement skills. I mean, he ran 4-4-1. I said this on social. He would be the second fastest receiver currently on the Packers. Receiver. I mean, the Packers need a tight end too. Put him out there. All right, don't do that. But this guy, and I, you know, if you're if you're a new listener and a new follower of mine on Twitter, maybe you don't know how I feel about Montez Sweat. But if you are a longtime listener or a longtime follower or both, you know how I have felt about this guy. And I told you what was out there, what he could do, and he went out at the combine and exceeded even my expectations of what he could be, of what he could do. And he may have tested himself out of Green Bay's range at 12. Now, that's not to say they're not going to be in a position to get a good player. But if he's there at 12, it is an absolute, no doubt, no-brainer, home run pick for the Packers.
2: This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One-up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long lasting battery powered or USB rechargeable one. The comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One-up your brushing. Learn more at phillips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shell. You know, the thing about the combine is there are a lot of complaints about it's overrated and people, you know, they look too much into it. But every year, something like what happened with Chicae Polite happened and someone goes out and they crush the combine and a couple guys go out and they disappoint. These are data points and they're important data points and they can be disqualifying or they can be elevating and they can be, you, you can be eliminated based on how you test. You, you never want to say, oh, that person tests great, and so a mediocre prospect is now a great one. No, no, no. But if you're Montez Sweat and you were already a first-round pick and maybe that athleticism doesn't show itself all the time on tape, you can, as an NFL team, look at it and go, look at all of those athletic traits. Plus, he already knows how to use his hands. He can already win with power. We can teach that guy how to be something special, and he can shoot up draft boards. And I think that's what's going to happen. So everyone that said, oh, well, Sweat is not worth the 12th pick, enough. Clearly, he is worth the 12th pick. We're going to get a lot more in-depth into everything that happened around the combine. But there was so much specifically around the outside linebacker, the pass rushers for Green Bay, that we had to, I think, really narrow our focus today. So we will talk more tomorrow. Get into the cornerbacks and the safeties. I think there, you know, there are going to be some discussions about the safety, but let's let's save some of that for tomorrow. There's plenty of meat on the bone, and then free agency is is here in just a matter of days. New league year starts, and that means free agency is starting. The free agency rumors are already picking up, so. There's going to be a lot to talk about in the coming days. This is as excited for a podcast as I've been to to record in a long time. So we're going to have a lot of good shows coming up and four days a week, Monday through Thursday, we will be here. We're going to talk draft, have some guests on this week to recap the draft, talk about players who help themselves, players who Green Bay could have their eye on. And I'll let you know how the Brian Burns rewatch goes. If he has to move up a lot, he has to move up a lot. And I'll admit that I'm wrong. That's how this works. If you're not willing to do that, why even bother? Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show. Like us on iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Let us know how you think we're doing. It helps us spread the word about Locked on Packers. And we're already the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. So let's keep it going. Make a friend Monday. Find a friend. Tell them about Locked on Packers. Tell them why you like the show and why they should be listening to Locked On Packers. In fact, give them the number. Give them the Locked On Packers fan hotline number, 920-341-3775, and watch them find out how much fun it is to stay Locked On Packers.